Welcome back to Music is the Drug, the Cowboy Junkies podcast. I'm Dave Bowler and I wrote the biography of Cowboy Junkies, Music is the Drug. We hope you all had a good summer in the north or a great winter in the south. We're back today with our 50th episode in total. And so to mark that milestone, along with Michael Timmins and Alan Anton, we're looking at what remains perhaps the best known song from their catalogue, their version of Lou Reed's Sweet Jane. I guess that's fitting in a way, because as first Mike and then Alan point out, Sweet Jane and the Velvet Underground have always been real touchstones for cowboy junkies. Well, Lou Reed, for sure, his solo stuff, but specifically the Velvet Underground as far as, um, we, we, are, we are one of those bands, you know, that that that, uh, that well-known quote that, you know, the, the Velvet Underground didn't, only sold a handful of records, but everybody who heard one of them formed a band, and, and we're definitely one of those. Al and I, that's... That, that's uh, that music is just inspiring because I think because it's accessible, you know, you, you don't necessarily know what they're doing, but you can feel what they're doing and you, you understand the emotion where it's coming from. And I think it's, it's sort of like punk, you know, the punk movement of the late seventies. There, there's something very visceral about it. So as a young person, especially you understand that, that, that uh, feeling and the, the emotion being dragged out of you. And uh, you sort of get the sensation that I, I maybe I can create something like this, whether it's through music or something else. There's just this feeling that you know this is this is worth this is worth doing, this is worth listening to, and this is worth trying to recreate on on your own. So, the Velvet Underground are one of those bands for sure. That came about where we were, because when we were working on our on on the band, just getting the band together and, and coming up with songs, we were playing. Um, uh, mostly blues songs, blues covers, and we thought we, you know, it's it you know blues covers from the original blues players like Robert Johnson and Johnny Hooker and all that. But um, we wanted to include some modern day um, bluesy stuff too, so we chose um, uh, what was it from? Well, we chose the Springsteen song, "State Trooper." And put the, that ended up on the record, on the first album, What's Up Earth Now? And that sort of fit with the whole blues thing. And the other song we wanted to try was the Velvet Underground song, which is kind of kind of wrong because I always remember Lou Reed saying, the one thing we don't play is blues. No blues in this band. <laughs> which is absolutely true. They, don't, they never play a, a blues group. So it didn't make any sense to put a Velvet Underground song on it. But I mean, we, we we were just Velvet Underground freaks, you know, our whole life. So we just wanted to find something, and we just happened to be listening to that the Velvet Underground 1969 live album. It's called 1969, and it was recorded in a club in Dallas, I think, and um, small audience and very relaxed, you know, setting. And so the band was just playing very very slowly, mostly very slow songs on that record, I think. And Lou, and Lou had just, he claims that he had just written Sweet Jane that day or a few days before that show. And it contained that bridge that we play, which um, he eventually took out or John Keel didn't like it, I think is what his complaint was. And he took it out. So that it never appeared on a record with the, um, with the bridge in it until the live album came out. And it's sort of nobody noticed it. I and mean, we, we didn't actually notice it until we listened to the record. <laughs> 
and uh we're kind of shocked by this thing that we never heard this beautiful bridge and i think that sold us which we just thought oh we got to do this this is so so nice and and nobody knows about it it's like this weird hidden secret and um everybody thinks that sweet jane is this weird not weird but just this hard rocking thing you know you know chunky guitars grinding away and all that because that's how we always played it live after that especially solo and um yeah so we were really knocked out by by how beautiful it was and wanted to do it so we, we started rehearsing it um and, and we're hoping to include it on what's up for it now so we recorded it for that in the garage at the same session but um later realized that it didn't didn't work it didn't fit in with everything. It's great, but you know, it doesn't really fit in. And so, you know, it almost came out on that record, which, you know, would have wouldn't probably wouldn't have had as much exposure, obviously, because it was you know probably no exposure. So it was good that we saved it for you know Trinity, obviously, because they they were able to use that to promote it. But um, yeah, so we had had it in our pocket for a long time. It was one of our staples, playing live um, until we recorded it. You know, we'd only been together as a band for two years, I guess, by the time we did Trinity. So it wasn't that long a period, but it seemed like we were playing Sweet Chain a lot. And, you know, we settled into that that really slow groove of playing it eventually, um, which is how it appears on the record. Yes, we uh, we tried to record Sweet Jane. Um, first attempt was during, yeah, during the White Sox for now recording, so... It was sort of part of our very original, original live catalog. And, um, I, you know, I haven't heard that version that we did for the White you know, during the White Sox for now session since we did it. It's like, I, I have a, I wonder what it was like. Obviously, we didn't, we didn't think it came up to snuff because we didn't include it, um, which is a good thing. Um, but uh, I'd be interested to hear what it was. It was, it was definitely the same arrangement. There was no big change in arrangements. I think we just needed more time to play it live and, um, and, and who knows? Maybe we had just put it together for that recording, you know, and didn't quite capture it. So I, I don't, I don't know what, why uh, we didn't use it. Probably, but obviously, it wasn't good enough. So which is good because came out pretty good on Trinity session. As Alan has said, the version that the Junkies worked from for the Trinity session was from the Velvet Underground 1969 album. In itself, a pretty underground record from an underground band. Right, and the, the, I mean the version of Sweet Jane uh, that that appears like the, their, their studio version, which appears on Loaded, they're, 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 they're really the last Velvet Underground record that, that had because it's the last one with the read on it. Um, you know, it was very sort of taken out of Lurie's hands. He sort of left the band by the time that record was released, and uh, Sweet Jane was edited. A lot of the songs were edited and re and. Sort of re, some of the some of the vocals were re-recorded, and so he sort of he had sort of lost control of the band or the music at that point, or not lost control of it, but given up on it. You know, he'd sort of moved on, and um, so the the '69 um, live album really is the more accurate picture of that song. That's the way Lou Reed intended it. Um, the big the biggest the biggest obvious difference is that the sort of the bridge section, which is the, the heavenly wine and roses part, which is left off of the recorded version, and uh, so when we, you know, the Velvet, that, that 69 live record was kind of r rare and, and it's sort of odd back, way, you know, back way back then. It's sort of, people didn't know about it that much. It was kind of this weird kind of record sitting out there. And we loved it. You know, this, it's, it's obviously, it's a band playing in front of like 10 people in a club in Texas. And it's just, or something like that. And it's just, it's just like a, a really beautiful um, 
template for a band who's just starting out. And, and that version of Sweet Jane is just so, is so, it's just so beautiful. And, and really we kind of ripped it off very directly as far as the, as far as the energy and the vibe of it's concerned um, and the structure for sure. And, you know, people I think thought it was when, when they heard our version, they thought it was such an original, an original take on Sweet Jane because they probably know the more the rock and roll animal version or, you know, the sort of more upbeat versions that a lot of people cover. Um, but actually, you know, it was a pretty direct ripoff of, of the Velvet Underground version of it from, from that live record. The big thing is that Lou Reed liked it. And I mean, Lou Reed's not well renowned for, well, for liking anything, actually. But... No, it, it, absolutely. I mean, you know, for example, during that song, during that uh, concert, he, uh, this is this is more classic Lou Reed. He he um, started up sung some one of his you know one song I don't know what it, what it was, and the audience started to clap along in rhythm to it. And he he stopped the song and said, "Stop clapping," <laughs> and then started again. That was more classic Lou Reed. Yeah, so that that was a complete shock to I think everybody, and he really got you know he really really loved it. He gave us a great quote to use to sell it and. Um, you know, I'm sure he made a lot of money off it too, but yeah, it was really, really exciting to get his uh, seal of approval on that. But I think, you know, for him, it was also that he he always loved that that bridge, and he was pissed off that it, it was taken out. I guess, and then I, I guess he forgot about it because he could have put it back in throughout his entire solo career. But so I guess it kind of reminded him of it, and uh, yeah, he was happy to hear it. There was one really nice moment where we were at a, we were in Paris and we had a show, and then the next night we had a, a night off and, and Lou was playing at the Olympia in Paris and uh, he invited us to the show. And so when he gets to Sweet Jane, before before he goes into the uh, bridge, which we didn't know that he put the bridge back in, but uh, he says, "I want to thank the Cowboy Junkies for this," and then he, and he starts playing the bridge part, which was. Uh, pretty surreal for us to to hear because he's you know he's always been one of our idols so. well you know he was so generous to us and you know after that show we actually went backstage and again he met us and talked to us and you know it, it was really a, a great it was a great experience and, and for a young for a young band it was pretty pretty mind-blowing as that show in paris illustrates the junkies version of sweet jane had certainly teased out a side of lou reed that he rarely showed in public well, yeah, I mean, you know, Lou Reed, the, the, his his public persona is not one of a, a of a generous kind of guy. You know, he's kind of grouchy, and he kind of he, he kind of used that to to his to best effect and in, uh, in interviews. And you know, we grew up as music fans reading his interviews with Lester Bangs, and uh, you know, really confrontational interviews. So when we heard back that that we that he uh, had given the seal of approval on on the um, on the song, it was it was it was pretty cool. And you know you don't usually hear back from people when you record song, you know, cover songs, um, and they don't. And people of Lou Reed's stature certainly don't give you these, uh, you know, these these quotes to use. You know, they're still saying yes, yeah, so like you can use this. Here's a quote for you to use. So that was pretty amazing. And then years later, 
or not that many years later, a couple of years later, it felt like years because we were in the middle of the, the Trinity whirlwind and we were, um, we were on BMG at that point, RCA, and we were in Paris and we were on RCA. So we had people and, and Lou Reed always had people. So our various peoples were, we were, we were both bands were in Paris. So he, we both had a night off. So we, they set up this meeting between us and him and uh, his wife at the time, Sylvia, and uh, a few of his musicians at a restaurant. And so we had, it was a kind of a, it's a long story, but it was a, a very strange, very strange sort of coming together very, very quick. Um, we sort of sat, stared at each other on opposite sides of the room. Lou was not about to come to us. So we had to go to him and uh, you know, and, and he, again, he comment, he, he complimented us on the songs and he, asked us a little bit about stuff, gave us a few uh, industry, a little bit of advice on the industry. And then the next night he invited us to our, sh to a show. He was playing in Paris. We went and, and he even he gave us a shout out from the stage with that. And that was I definitely the highlight of my career. My life was, you know, being in Paris and number one at a Lou Reed show, number two, and then Lou Reed actually shouting out from the stage saying um, he, he went into sweet Jane and, and before he hit the bridge, he uh, went into this vamp and he said, uh, I'd like to, give a shout out to Cowboy Junkies and thank them for putting this bridge back in my song. And he went into the bridge there to play it. And he told us the night before, you know, he only started to put that back in the song after our version came out because people were now more familiar with it. So he was able to play the song as he, as he had originally written it and intended it. So that was pretty, that's pretty amazing, you know? So uh, it, that was, that was pretty great. That's a, that's a, that's a definite highlight. It's interesting. I mean, you know, you don't necessarily associate Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground with the church, but in, in a sense, it's a kind of perfect song for for that that setting, wasn't it? And, and the way that you performed it. Really, it is. You know, people think of the Velvet Underground as sort of this noisy um, art band, you know, uh, and and they were to some degree, but also like a lot of their songs were, you know, especially with the stuff that Nico sang on, are very church-like you know they're they're very there are tons of ballads on that first record and also on um uh which record uh the second i guess the, well, the one basically that we ripped off the cover the cover of the, the photo session for trinity was based around the the covers session the foot the cover of one of the velvet underground records i guess it was the second album and that record is filled with ballads and very very quiet sort of airy uh playing so you know that's definitely a, it's definitely i think you know that 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 obviously seeped into us. What attracted us to us was were, were songs like Sister Ray and White Light White Heat. But that's what it, and rock and roll that attracted us to the Velvet Underground. But obviously the uh, the ballad side of it is uh, seeped in there as well. I think I remember you saying that you had actually briefly had an audience in the church when you were uh, you were recording that one. A couple of people wandered in. Yes, we well, I mean, throughout the day when we were doing Trinity session, we had people wandering in and out and. Um, not a lot, but a few, because because we weren't allowed to close the church off. It was a, it is a, um, I mean, it's a sanctuary. So you know, they had to, they part part of the deal was they had to uh, allow people to come in if they wanted to come in, and um, so we did have a couple. And I remember these two coming in. There were young a young couple came in, and sort of sat way way at the other end of the the room, the other end of the church, and uh, sat for a while and and then left. And I was. That was during the, the recording of Sweet Jane when we were when we were trying to put that down. And then years later, it, it, I uh, I was getting some work done on my house, and and the guy who was doing the the, the, the contractor bought in this uh, this um, plaster to do some some um, drywalling, and uh, it was this 
not as young anymore, but a little older guy. And, and he told me the story and it was him. It was him and his girlfriend who walked through the church and had sat down and he told me the story about they were just wandering around. They just, they were new to Toronto and were wandering around the area and saw this church and thought it looked interesting. So they walked in and they heard this band playing. So they sat down and listened and, and they, you know, they recognized the song. They were, they were music fans. And, uh, and years later, here he is in my house, kind of a weird, kind of weird story. sort of 35 years on from uh, from all of that and I guess it's the song that you have to play whenever you play anywhere really it's like Springsteen I suppose has to play Born to Run or whatever it is you know it's it's that kind of song I suppose isn't it yeah and you know for for a while we didn't play it every night you know there was a some a point there in um I guess in the 90s maybe where I uh, you know sort of mid 90s ish where we just wanted to get away from it and we tried, we tried various versions of it through the early 90s. You know, we sort of actually went to a more uh, rock and roll animal style version of it or Lou Reed live version of it, more more up more upbeat with when we had Ken Meyer on Road Road with us and another, you know, another guitar player. And uh, so we tried different versions of it. And then and then it just kind of became this weird little albatross, uh, or at least we thought of it as such. Um, and so we stopped playing it. Not not all the time. And so it was a special song we played. Um and whatever that's it, it was what it was uh but you know then we did a tour with john prine and and you know and, and uh he every night john would play you know his hit you know his hits and he had a few of them like angel from montgomery and hello in there and and um a couple of others like those you know sam stone you know pretty huge important songs in his in his catalog and important to his audience and you know john has been had been touring you know his entire life or since like like we had started to do like that's what we did we played live play live and i remember asking him one night about that and saying like how do you do it like how do you do those songs and that at that point we had stopped playing it every night a sweet jane every night and and he said how do you like how do you do it like how do you how do you play those songs every single night and he had said you know he said to me very simply he said you know these aren't my songs anymore like these are these are my audience's songs, and I, I feel an obligation to play to play them to for them every night. It's, it's it's their songs, it's their lives that that have been interpreted through these songs, and it's it's really important that that when when they come to see me, they want to relive those experiences or be recharged with them, and so that that was a real good lesson um, from somebody you know a real from a real pro. John was such a pro, and, and really in connection with his audience. You know, the, John's audiences and and the 
the, the energy between the performer and the audience were pretty, pretty spectacular. So that was a pretty good lesson. And I think we then began to sort of slowly bring it back into the catalog. And, and now it's, it's, you know, we, we, there's not a show we don't play it. And, 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 and in some ways it's kind of fun, you know, we, we, we have a sort of a, it's more of a little bit of a, we have a, it's open to a little bit of interpretation each night. Um, we can play faster or slower, or, you know, we have a little bit of a weird intro jam to it, which is always fun, like a very free form jam. And, uh, you know, and there's a longer, I, I, there's a solo section, which I can make shorter or long, however I want to, however, however the night's going. So, the, you know, we do open it up to a little bit of interpretation, but, you know, it's a, it, we recognize it's a special moment for a lot of people in the audience. You know, Sweet Jane is an important song to a lot of people. And it's what we have come to be known for in many ways. And so, so that's fine. You know, that's, 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 that, I mean, that, that's lucky. You know, that's like a lot of bands don't have a song they're, they're ever, relate, you know, that people ever relate them to. So we, we have one and that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty special. We'll be back next time with another song that we know you'll relate to. But before then, just a reminder that if you don't have your copy of the band's brilliant new album, Such Ferocious Beauty, it's time that you fill that gap in your collection. You can get it from cowboyjunkies.com or all the usual outlets. There are plenty of new junkie shows coming up across North America over the rest of the year. Keep checking the website for more news of them. Always go to the show. You'll get to hear the new songs and the junkies remain the best value ticket on the planet. Please subscribe to the podcast, like it, share it, add reviews and do all that social media stuff that alerts the world these days. Thanks so much for your support. We really appreciate it. If you're a Spotify user, you can also follow our growing podcast playlist. All the details of that and everything else is in the show notes. We'll see you next time.